Anthony lifted him aloft again, wondering why his own smile did not come quite so easily. Yeah, he told his brother. I love you too, even though you're short. Putting Clay down, Corey kissed him on the forehead and left without another word to anyone. He was leaving them all behind, his mother and father, the friends who thought they knew him, the prom date who would offer to sleep with him in hope that this moment, the apex of her youthful imaginings, was a beginning and not the end, even his kid brother. And he had known this ever since Coach Jackson had named him starting quarterback. You're slow, the coach had told him laconically, and your arm's no better than average, but you're smart and you don't rattle. Most of all, you're not just a leader, you're a born leader. This, Corey realized, was a new thought. Curious, he asked. What's the difference? You never look back to see who's following you. The coach cocked his head as though studying Corey from a different angle. Ever think about one of the academies? West Point, maybe. Mulling this, Corey walked home on a brisk fall day. Then he looked up and saw a jet plane soaring into endless space and light, its only mark a trail of vapor. No, Corey thought, not West Point. His appointment to the Air Force Academy came as easily as his moment of departure. He left his parents and brother at the airport after constricted hugs and awkward silences, troubled only by how small and solitary Clay suddenly appeared to him. It was the first time Corey Grace had ever flown. The Academy, too, came easily, as did flight school and promotion. By the time of the Gulf War, Captain Corey Grace was stationed in Saudi Arabia, restlessly awaiting the ultimate test of his abilities, to engage Iraqi pilots at supersonic speeds with such skill that he would kill without being killed. To Corey, his F-15 was an extension of his gifts, a perfectly crafted machine with the technology and its sinews ready to do his every bidding. The only other human variable was his navigator. Joe Fitz was a black man from Birmingham, Alabama. When Corey first met him, he almost laughed in dismay. Joe's toothy smile and jug ears made him look, in Corey's reluctant but uncharitable estimate, like a guileless and even comic figure. And his loose-limbed gait suggested that he was held together by rubber bands. But for Corey, their first flight transformed his navigator's appearance. Joe's mind was as keen as his eyes. He seemed to know everything there was to know about his job and Corey's. A few more flights together confirmed Corey's sense of a man whose judgment was as close to perfect as mortals could achieve. A few sessions at the bar built for thirsty officers suggested that Joe was a complicated but altogether stellar human being, and that Joe was the first black man Corey had known well confronted him with a basic truth, that whatever Corey thought of his youth in Lake City, he had been, in one very basic sense, privileged. Joe's father was a janitor, his mother a seamstress, and their lives were molded by a time and place where the insane logic of bigotry skipped no details, right down to separate drinking fountains to keep blacks from sullying whites. Joe's parents were first allowed to vote in 1965, the year after he was born, filled with foreboding that this reckless act might leave their child an orphan. But though they were even more lightly educated than Corey's parents, Joe's pride in his father and mother was as deep as his love. 
They had wrung from the harsh strictures of their lives the fierce determination to give Joe Fitz chances they had only dreamed of. The sole fissure between Joe and his devoutly Baptist parents was one that he had concealed from them. Except when he was home, Joe never went to church. So, you're an atheist? Corey asked one evening. Sitting beside Corey at the bar, Joe sipped his scotch, regarding the question with narrow eyes. Atheism's too much trouble, he answered. Why put that level of energy into something you can't know? Anyone who tells you they're sure that there is a God or isn't one is smoking dope. Anyhow, it's the wrong question. Maybe there is a God, and he's a terrific guy, or girl, or hermaphrodite, or whatever the fuck people want to believe. I've got no objections to that. What pisses me off is when people think believing in a certain God.